0: Yes, I wasn't actually going to say anything about that, but thank you. November 4th, we had a good little group for our first Life Story workshop in July, I think, or something. Did it again, and now we have interested people again. So we're doing a third one, November 4th. Uh, if that interests you, even in the most vague way, see me afterwards and talk about it, because it's it's fun, and there are seats available. Um, If you know me, you know that I tend to be all over the map when I talk, and my challenge is to stick with one thing. And what's wise, of course, is to stick with one thing. I'm not always wise. So as I've been reading today's passage, I, of course, went all over the map. Literally, I was in Genesis, I was in some of the prophets, I was in Revelation, because the. Uh, because the passage gets at a question of who Jesus is. Now, if you just see Jesus as an interesting guy, it doesn't matter. Just keep seeing him as an interesting guy. But if you see him as something more than just that, it takes you all over the map. I'm going to try and stay in one place. So the passage today is in Matthew 8. And in the little heading, in my, you know how they, in the Bible they have the scripture itself, and then in between chapters and in random places they put little headings so you can find your like the story you're looking for. And those, of course, aren't in the original, but they're in ours. Uh, and this one says, Jesus calms the storm. That's what, that's what this is called. And the passage goes like this, Matthew 8, verse 23. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, You of little faith, why are you afraid? Now, this is a guy who was napping during the storm, so he's in a different space. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So that's what we're looking at today. Let's back up a little bit, back to verse 18, you can follow along in the scripture or you can just listen, either is fine. Uh, Back to verse 18, same chapter, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake, so crossing this lake was planned by Jesus, like he knew about this. And... This random thing happens. It says, Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another man, one of the disciples, said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. And without warning, a furious storm came up upon the lake so that the wave swept over the boat, and Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Okay. Have you ever been amazed? Even for a minute. Now think about what's happening in your mind, in your heart. In your pulse, in your body, while you're amazed, just get a sense of stop and think about what amazement is. How might you describe the mindset and and even bodily? We don't have a word for this, but the mind and body set, if that makes sense, so your your whole holistic state while you're amazed. Associate some feelings with that other than just the word amazed. Is it more frantic or is it more calm? Anybody? More calm. Okay. So he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I won't ask for a show of hands, because I know we're in different spaces in our spiritual journey. But uh, probably most of us in this room have at some point, like on purpose, chosen to follow Jesus in some form. It's different for us because he's not standing here like he was standing there. Nevertheless, there's a sense of following him. And in his presence, in the way that he manifests through the Holy Spirit and through ourselves and each other, we follow his example, we follow his teaching, we follow him in the sense that he is living and we want to go where he goes. And I want you to think of that choice like getting into a boat with him. A boat is a great metaphor because you're already in your life dealing with unpredictability. Anybody ever experienced a life that was that has been entirely predictable? Everything that happened, you saw it coming, and were fully prepared. Okay, nobody. So, that, so that's already present. And add to that, somebody comes along and says, follow me, in whatever form that came to you, if it did. And you said, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna do that. I believe that you have something to offer that exceeds the sum of everything else that I have seen that is offered to me. So I'm getting in your boat. So think of that. So these guys get in the boat. There's an interesting thing that happens. It calls them disciples, except one guy that says he's a teacher of the law, and he says, I will follow you anywhere. Until the end, after it was completely calm and they were amazed, then it doesn't call them disciples anymore. It just says, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. It just calls them men. I'm not sure what that means, but I notice it. There's something about being a disciple that signs up for a particular set of unpredictable life because it's behind this master. Your life was already unpredictable to whatever degree, but I'm choosing to get in this guy's boat and follow him. And so when something happens, it's his boat. Even if he's asleep in a storm, I can go to him and say, Lord, save me, I'm going to drown because it's, where else would you go? It's his boat. You followed him into it. So your life is like the boat. And if Jesus is the master of wind and the waves, he's certainly the master of his own boat, and you're in it, think about the unpredictability. Think about the uh, things that would be like waves swamping a boat. It's kind of easy this year. I mean, everything keeps happening. You get kind of weary of emergencies. The fires are fresh, but if the fires hadn't even happened, there's these other things that would be fresh that swamp people. And people go to God in these moments that were People who aren't even spiritually oriented, something tragic or huge or some shock, in the concussion of it, they, they suddenly have, we all do, this is normal, they suddenly have these deep questions about God, or they suddenly pray, maybe for the first time, and Jesus is sleeping. Now, many people talk about the power of prayer and how it, how it works and how God answers prayer, and I'm one of them. But there's this honesty we have to, we have to be truth-tellers. So many people experience going to prayer, but the fire keeps burning, and there's no answer, and it's as if you were in a boat in a storm and you're going to capsize and you're going to sink And the guy that's supposed to be in charge is sleeping. Which, okay, so you're all powerful and you can handle this and you can sleep, I get it. But I'm me. And I need you in a way that, you know, I'm not where you are yet. You're the master, I'm the disciple, I'm the apprentice, I'm the beginner. I wouldn't have a clue how to be in a storm like this and take a nap. I don't have that kind of confidence. And in this story, he responds, and he gets up, and he does this dramatic thing where he rebukes the storm. And it, I just picture, like, the water just falling, and the water going flat, clouds clearing. Something about his authority and his voice got that result. Now, Jesus lived in a bigger world. It's not a secret world. He wants everyone to live in it with him. Everything he did was to try and help that happen. But he's there. He's living in a bigger world. I even wonder, I'm going out on a limb here. This may be theological weirdness, but. It's me, give me a chance. So I even wonder if Jesus made the storm because he's the ultimate teacher and willing, obviously, if you follow his story, to personally, physically experience anything to bring messages. So what if he made the storm and they get out there and he's sound asleep, he's not afraid of his own creation, they freak out, he wakes up, he's like, and his attention turns immediately to them, which is interesting. He doesn't, he do, you would think a man waking up, oh my gosh, there's a storm, how was I, you know, how did I miss that? And fly into action of whatever sort. But he wakes up, filled with confidence, looks at them, and Matt mentioned this back in March or April or something, When we looked at this passage before, and he calls them a name. Uh, You of little faith is four English words, but in the word Jesus said in Koine Greek, it's a single word. And it's like, you little faith, it's one word. He said it five times in the New Testament, always to his disciples. Interestingly, to foreigners and Gentiles, he sometimes told them people of great faith, which he never said to his disciples. Something to ponder, different message. <laughs> so little faith, it's like, you know how we call each other names sometimes, but there's affection in it? Like if I go to my wife and I say, you nitwit, like, I, I, I don't... <laughs> She's, she's shaking her head because I never do that. But, but people do things like that. Like knit wit. anybody know what a knit is? It's a baby louse. Lice? A baby one. Okay, that's really tiny. What are wits? Like your intelligence. Okay, put that together into a word. you microscopic tiny intelligence so this is like that word but it's about faith you little faith and being Jesus I'm sure like they were following him there was already great love exchanged there was probably some affection in it but not entirely just warm fuzzy he was also meaning something so we got two directions we could go right here I'm going to back up to Genesis. Here I go. All over the map. First page of the Bible. Depending on who you think Jesus is, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In those waters, I know this is poetry, but this is not poetry that is devoid of fact at all. Something happened in the beginning, and it's too big to just give us the facts. It's beyond us. So God gives us these simple, beautiful stories that carry the truth the spirit of god was hovering over the waters in that water whatever that means is everything you have ever encountered baymarine church was in the water god was hovering over this country every other country think of countries they were in the waters every creature Everyone who's ever lived. Everything. The Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. In English, the word hovering just means hover, like a, like a helicopter hovers, like a bird of prey can hover, flying in one place without moving. In Hebrew, the word hover is like the bird, Specifically, hovering over its nest with freshly laid eggs. Isn't that beautiful? Hovering over the waters. It's hovering. So, Jesus lived in a world where he already was living an eternal life, he was not dependent. From his own perspective on surviving a storm in order to live. He understood, I cannot survive the storm and live. The storm isn't a threat to my life. I'm not living that kind of life. I'm living a kind of life, and this is normal. It feels like this weird, super religious stretch, it's normal every person you've ever encountered is ultimately living an eternal life and they're aware of it or not and they believe things about it or not. But we are not just physical beings having a spiritual experience, we are spirits having a temporary physical experience. Living in that perspective changes everything when your house is burning down. It changes everything with the unpredictability. There is a way to live like Jesus so confident in the life that goes on and on and on and on that in the midst of a storm that will swamp you, and it might, either way, the water's calm, the waters get worse, the boat goes down to the bottom of the ocean, and you can take a nap. That's the mastery that he's demonstrating. I mentioned a fork in the road. We go two directions here. In Genesis, I don't have time to go into it, and I don't even know if I should have brought it up, but the Scripture teaches us that all things were made through Christ, and that somehow... Jesus Christ, not just that guy, the son of Mary and the, you know, that's a real historical man. But somehow his identity, his being, is also this epic eternal God, somehow. I don't suppose that could be explained to any of us. I don't understand it. Uh, As I treat him that way, however, it bears out as truth. Probably another message. In the waters that the Spirit of God hovered over is our lives. So when Jesus said to the storm, to the wind and the waves, you know, calm down, be still, the disciples were part of creation. The water, the wind, the humans, everything around him got still. They were amazed. Something in them calmed, and they didn't do this self-engineering thing where like, oh, I see what he's doing. I guess it's okay to calm down now. Okay, calm. (laughs) I don't think it happened. I think quite without their permission, They found themselves calmed. Like when you're amazed. You don't engineer that. You don't know ahead of time what's going to amaze you and kind of work those thoughts. It's it's a kind of surprise. And it's hard to even call it positive or negative. And it can be scary. There's two other accounts of this story from different writers in the scripture. And it says they were terrified and amazed. And Mark. So the disciples are part of creation. Jesus speaks to creation. Be still. And The disciples and the storm, because they were storming inside, right? They were frantic. They were not like him in his calmness. And so you can see yourself as a creature, a created being, subject to the words of, of Christ. Or... You can see Christ as a person, a man, who is modeling what any of them could be. He calls them little faiths and then demonstrates great faith. I think, don't have time to go into this, would love to sit with you if you want to push back. It would be super fun. We can go out for coffee and we talk about it. I think he was not playing the God card. I think he was not showing his divinity by speaking over the creation. Though that's present, too, in mysterious ways. I think he was calling them little... Why would he call them little faith? I mean, stop and think about it. What would great faith look like? Same circumstance. What would they have done if his response was, Ah, You people of great faith, you are where I am. Isn't this wonderful? What would they? I don't have a clear picture of it. Would they all have napped? (laughs) Would Would a storm come up and they'd be like, well, I don't know quite how this works, but Jesus is sleeping, so I'll give it a shot. I mean, that would be following. They had just said, I will follow you anywhere got into his boat that he'd planned, went out into it and immediately a storm came up and they were frantic and he's sleeping. So there's an inconsistency there, understandable, I still respect him, I'm not mad at him, I would be like that, but it is an inconsistency. I will follow you absolutely anywhere and he knows what that means. And so he gives a little bit of a warning. Foxes have their dens, birds of the air have nests, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay, come on. What's the next scene? He's laying his head in the bilge of a boat in a storm. Not comfortable. Somehow he's comfortable enough to sleep so here's what it comes down to Jesus demonstrated great faith it's completely normal for an apprentice or a disciple to be that because they want to be like the master that's what that's about I love the word apprentice, because if you're a disciple, you can be a disciple forever and ever, and no one really expects anything else, but if you're an apprentice, there's an expectation that eventually you'll become a journeyman, and eventually you yourself will take on students and become a master. That goes with the word apprentice. It's supposed to go with the word disciple. It's just lost it. A disciple isn't just a permanent follower. That would be like being permanently a kid with your parents. That's a broken circumstance. The whole point is to grow up and become like parents, like your master. That's what mastery offers. That's why they take on students. So I think Jesus demonstrated that each of us can... Say to the wind and the waves, calm down, and they calm down. Now, he demonstrated it with real non-metaphorical wind and waves, so so according to this story. But it kind of doesn't matter what the wind and the waves are, because each of us has something or if not today, then on another day. Something that you experience like this. Something that makes you frantic. Run to Jesus. Wake up. I'm going to drown. And then you deal with whatever's happening. Maybe he wakes up immediately and does something of great faith. Maybe he, does. Maybe he stays asleep. These things are highly customized because God is dealing with each of our apprenticeships and discipleships according to where we are and according to the faith we have. And he can engineer all that. So what would it look like to say to the winds and waves in your life from Jesus' boat, if you're in it, It's also your boat. I love the metaphor of a boat because it's vulnerable. It's floating. If you think of the, if you take the water away and look at the surface of the land under it, and the boat's way up here on top of the water, it's just it's vulnerable. It's it's dependent on floating. You can't just get out and walk. Well, that's another story. Uh, <laughs> what would it look like for you to take authority over that which terrifies you and freaks you out under the mastery of Jesus with his guidance and his direction what would it look like do you want it that's a that's a crux its its I want to be cared for or I want to grow and become able to speak to these things and not be terrified. I would like to be in a storm, since I'm going to be in one anyway. The storms are coming. We want to avoid them, but we can't. Some form of a storm will come, as before will again. So, avoiding it or not, that's really not the choice. It's am I going to be a little faith that freaks out, or am I going to be a great faith that has authority, that could even sleep in the middle of it if I'm tired? Now, that's a little simplistic. I get that. But I think you're smart enough to take that concept and wrap it in your story and your circumstance. After this, there are many stories. Jesus did everything. Jesus was killed. Jesus resurrected, if you believe that. Jesus ascended. Apostles came. Life happened. Years and years later, the Apostle Paul writes this in Colossians 3. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Things above are the bigger world that is stable, that is truly stable. Earthly things have the storms and the unpredictability. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So as we can learn to live from that perspective, my life is hidden with Christ in God. It's what I'm becoming. It doesn't matter if I'm the master of it. Am I on the trajectory? If I'm taking one step into apprenticeship, okay, show me how to be that strong that I could sleep in a storm, and I've taken one step, and I've just started to say yes to it at all, then you qualify as a little faith, which is great, because it's the path that leads to great faith. And anywhere on that path is the place to be. So Jesus... Left us with this table in a way. This is always hard to explain, but at some point, if you really choose to get it, you do. Because there's a sense in which Jesus left, and there's another sense in which he remained. I don't know how to explain that, but I'm learning to get it. The body of Christ used to be one guy named Jesus. Now, when we say the body of Christ, we refer to millions of people. That's a real historical, physical reality. Jesus, that individual... Pretty hard to get at, except in the text. But Christ, the God presence, the human master, the, has a presence. And he invited his disciples into that Christness, that super strength that can sleep in a storm. And he left us with this beautiful, beautiful symbol says, this is my body, this is my blood. And the focus isn't flesh and blood, the focus is himself. This is, this, is, this is as me as you can get. It's like body and blood. Eat it and drink it. Take upon yourself what I'm about. Walk in this mastery. Ingest Christ. Let it become you say yes to it, and ever since then for 2,000 years, only thing like this I've ever heard of in the world, with a couple of exceptions that go with it, that are also ancient and Hebrew, uh, that people have done all over the world for thousands of years, same thing, the bread and the cup, and however we do it, it's kind of irrelevant, we're participating in something so much greater than our culture and that ourselves and it goes all the way back so beautiful so poetic so sweet and it's our little way of acknowledging yes to that mastery yes I don't understand I do understand whatever but I'm walking that path to where whatever happens in my circumstance I am learning that my life is hidden with Christ in God that spirit that hovered over the waters, that spirit that creation obeys. We're not just in creation. We're also in God. So I invite you to come today. If I don't know if we have music, or, but let's uh, come to the table. And as you take the bread and the cup, uh, picture Jesus sleeping in the boat and the power that it took to be that way Picture Jesus in your life. He may be sleeping. He may be standing up rebuking the wind and the waves. Whatever he's doing right now, acknowledge it, say yes to it, ingest it. Let's pray for a moment. God, thank you for these amazing stories. Thank you for the beauty of being able to participate in our own little way in this epic tale of Christ. Thank you for the bread and the cup. For the presence of Christ right here. For the honor and the privilege of getting to be called part of your body. Thank you for your presence in the storms. Thank you for your teaching and for your, uh, what you're showing us little by little as we follow you. Give us the courage to say yes. Amen.